Hey guys, so welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. My name is Rach J. I am your host. I'm a coach and the founder of Core 30. I'm really excited to welcome our awesome guest to the show today. Uh, he is a strength and conditioning coach. He's the PT over at Keep It Cleaner. Now, if you guys don't know what that is, it's a health and fitness app started by Steph Claire Smith and Laura Henshaw. And he's also the host of his own podcast, the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome, Mr. Danny Kennedy. Thanks for having me on, Rach. Um, I appreciate you reaching out. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yeah, I'm so excited to get you on. And um, obviously, we're filming this or we're, we're recording this uh, during COVID. So it's a bit of a strange time right now. Um, and I feel like it's affected all of our lives in a really profound way. So, you know, how are you going with everything? How's your mental state, your emotional state, all of that jazz? Yeah, definitely strange times. I mean, just before we press record, we were just talking about the fact that I'm recording in the backseat of my car, which is quite bizarre, <laughs> especially every time someone walks past. Um, but uh, yeah, no, things have been okay. Look, um, obviously had to adapt quite a bit in regards to what I do on a day-to-day basis. I mean, the the foundations are still the same. Like I'm still training people. I'm still trying to just deliver as much value as I can. It's the way I do it has just had to change. So um, pretty much since week one of um, the restrictions here in, in Victoria or in Melbourne, I've been training my clients outdoors, which, you know, I, I hate winter at the best of times. So being outside for the whole of winter is not something that I would necessarily do quite often, but um, it's been it's been all right. And then obviously now in stage four, things have tightened up again, so I can't do any PT. So um, I'm just kind of doubling down on the online stuff, whether it be the podcast sending out stuff to my email list, um, just just trying to build out more platforms for once we can go back into the gym and, and have stuff prepared and just put the extra time that I probably wouldn't usually have um, to good use and then not get too caught up in all of this stuff because it, I don't have any control over any of it. So, I mean, wasting time, you know, complaining about it or wishing that it wasn't the case is just, it's exactly that. It's a waste of time. Um, yeah. So... I've been pretty big on trying to stay really positive throughout the whole process and um, do what I can to help others stay positive as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, like I, I'm the first to admit, like a lot of this stuff is frustrating and um, and I do spend a little bit of time thinking about it, but also, like, as I said, there's just nothing I can do. So um, we might as well just move on, focus on what we can control. And there's still we're still very lucky. I mean, Although we have to, like, I mean, when you think about it, when you put it into perspective, we have to stay home and not go to work. We can only hang out with people that we're really close with. <laughs> and and the one thing we're allowed to do is exercise. So, I mean, it's not that yeah. bad, is it? No. But, um, I feel like we've got there are a lot of There down. are a lot of people out there. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that have been affected in, in a big way, um, more so than me. And some people have barely been affected at all. But um, in the end of the day, shit happens and you've just got to move on and... Um, focus on what you can control. Yeah. And I really like that you touched on that too, because I feel like that's one of the things that, um, you know, I love about your approach to health and fitness. Like I've said to you before, it's pretty no bullshit uh, approach. And like, you know, I feel that, you know, you mentioned focusing on stuff that we can control and, and, you know, I feel like that's one of the ways that we can really, um, I guess, like navigate our mindset and motivation during this period of time. Because I, I, I feel like, I don't know if you, you know, with your clients online that you're finding that they, are they kind of struggling with motivation and, and mindset and trying to wrap their heads around what's going on and, and then also then getting themselves to train like they ha- how they would normally, you know what I mean? Mm. I think it's gone in, in a couple of waves. 
the first wave was, you know, frustration, anxiety, and the unknown of like what was going to happen, how long it was going to last. Mm. You know, obviously you can't go to the gym anymore. You may not have much equipment at home. Usually you train with a friend or you train in a group. So now you don't have the motivation to train and just, and then, you know, the stress of other shit as well. Like you may yeah. have your job, you may have lost your job. Your hours might have mm. reduced. Not able to go and do the stuff you would usually like doing. So there's all that initially. Mm. And I think we all moved past that quite quickly, really, like to the point where everyone had adapted. Probably more people were exercising than what they usually would. People had found ways to, to work around it and um, had understood that you did have to adapt. Mm. And then the second wave is, I think, what, what's been harder for most people is almost having a bit of a tease of going back to semi-normal and then now being pulled all the way back into being even more restricted than what we were in the first place. So yeah. you kind of had like this low and then people built themselves back up and then now a lot of people have dropped all the way down because they're just like, well, when is this going to end? Mm. Now I can't do anything. So I understand that. Um, but again, it just comes back to what I said before. It's just a matter of adapting and finding ways, to, different ways to do to achieve the same goal. There's, you know, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat or whatever the hell that saying is. But yeah. um, you, you know, there's, you just have to adapt. And yeah. and if you don't, then you're going to get left behind. I think the people that are going to do exceptionally well, um, you know, business wise, fit, health and fitness wise, and then also just mentally yeah. in this period are those that are willing to just accept it, move on find new ways to achieve the same goals and then just go from there. Yeah. And you're really um, great at talking about goal setting and daily habits. That's something that I think that you incorporate into your work with your clients um, as well. So can you kind of talk us through like what you've done in terms of your own goal setting and working a routine into your daily life? Because I think that really helps, especially when we're going through this period of uncertainty. We don't have the same uh, structure that we used to. So we kind of yeah. have to create that for ourselves, right? To, to keep our minds focused on moving forward. So kind of, you know, what what have you been doing? Yeah, I think structure is, is probably the most important thing um, and routine. So obviously our routines have changed quite a bit. Most people have anyway. Like a lot of people wouldn't typically work from home and, and all that type of stuff. So um, it was just a matter at the start for me, it was a matter of looking at how I was able to still achieve the same outcome, doing it in a different way mm-hmm. and then breaking up my days and my weeks into some form of structure and routine. Even the first, like and the initial stages of lockdown, I just had a shoulder reconstruction. So I couldn't train. Oh, um, obviously working like was pretty limited as well. Um, so everything kind of changed really quickly. So there was not much, like I had no routine or structure for a week or two and my headspace, mm. like my mental health was like, was shit ass for like a week or two. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, now I need to, I need to like get out of this little rut and to do that, I'm going to need to set some goals. They're going to be different than what they usually are. I've got to come up with some structure and routine. Even if I'm going to be home from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, mm-hmm. there's still ways to break up your day into routine, you know, have your morning routine, um, have your meal, like time out when you're going to have your your breakfast, lunch and dinner, whatever it is. Like you might separate a certain amount of time to do some emails and you've got your time to exercise. So just still having structure in your day. Otherwise it all just becomes one big blur. Yeah. And then before you know it, the whole week's gone and you've achieved nothing. And and I think for me anyway, I, I feel my mental health and stuff is just so much better. And I feel so much more positive when I'm productive. Yeah, me too. So if I'm productive and I'm getting stuff done, even if it's just like stuff that's not really that important, even if it's just like shit around the house or um, just normal stuff that needs to be done. If I'm ticking that off and I can see that I'm working my way through a list and, and I'm following a bit of a structure, I just feel so much better. So 
Um, that was really big for me. And then like my morning routine. Um, yeah, talk us that through that because you've, you've talked day. about that before. Yeah. Yeah, the morning routine uh, is really important for me. So first thing when I wake up in the morning, um, I'll do a cold shower. And, and I mean, like it's the cold shower thing's not not every single morning. Like I'm not going to say it is, but it could be, if I don't do it in the morning, I'll do it later in the day. I think the cold shower for me is just like an important thing now. Um, cold shower, I then do um, roughly 10 minutes of meditation. Um, and then after that, I'll go through and do a bit of a journal. So I do like some um, kind of set, intentions and do some clarity stuff each day with and then some small goal setting for the day so I'll write down like some small goals like again it could be really simple it could be drink four liters of water or it could be pay this bill that's due today or whatever it is it doesn't matter what it is it could be make sure that you're on time for this podcast it doesn't matter what it is but you set these small goals that you revisit at night and either tick off or put a cross next to them which builds up momentum and discipline and then um, I do a gratitude list Love that. And then, and then I'm out the door. So that's like my morning routine. It sounds like it's a lot, but it doesn't take that long to get through. Um, and that's how I start my day every day. And again, that just, uh, as I touched on before with the productivity thing, like when I leave the house, if I've done all that, I haven't actually really done anything for the day, but I leave the house feeling like I'm already like on top of things. I feel like I can then go about my day without having kind of extra baggage of worrying about things that I haven't done or, or just kind of guessing my way through the day. Um, so setting like intentions and seeking a bit of clarity around what, what exactly I want to achieve out of the day for me is, is an important one. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel like our morning routine is very similar. I don't do the cold shower thing, but I definitely do the gratitude and the intentions. And it makes you feel so accomplished. Like, you know what you're going to do for the day. You can tick off that list and then you can move on to the next day knowing that you've, you know, achieved. And like you said, it just builds momentum. So it just rolls through, you know, as you go through the weeks, particularly during this period of time as well, you know, when you don't have any other structure. Yeah, the flow on effect is big, I think. And Mm. even outside of productivity, just like being a, a decent person I think like when you leave the house and you've done your gratitude and your meditation and your goals your headspace is quite good so you go and you go and I'll go and spend the morning with clients and my headspace is good like I I feel like I'm able to help them achieve their goals like I'm in a good mood blah 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 whereas the opposite you know you get up and you might have sleep through your alarm a little bit you don't have a good breakfast you do no meditation you have no idea what you want to achieve for the day and you're just rolling out and everything's kind of like falling behind you could, I just noticed the difference. Like there's, there's certain things that I will like make sure I have to do every morning. Like some days if I'm, if I'm running late or if I have other shit to do, I may not do my meditation before I leave the house, but I'll make sure I get it done at some point throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But like the gratitude and goal setting stuff, I try and make sure that that's done every day. And then now I've um, added in an evening one as well. So yeah, I'll revisit nice. a lot of stuff and there's a list of questions that I'll kind of answer at the end of each day. Um, just so you're aware of, Again, I think it's just about self-awareness. It's about understanding about, you know, whether or not each week is just the same shit and and you're wondering why you're not achieving your goals but you're doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Or it's also just making yourself um, being more conscious of exactly what you want to achieve because if you don't have any clarity around what you want to do or how you want to behave or how you want others to feel because of you or how you want to feel because of others, blah, 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 then you can't have any expectations because you haven't set any. So, yeah. um, so I think that's the one at nighttime I think is, has been quite good as well. I've only started doing that in the last month or two. 
Yeah, that one I do as well right at night time. So journal at night time to reflect basically on, on everything that's gone on during the day or any things that have come up and then you can kind of readjust the direction that you want to take and then you move that to the next day. So it's a kind of just like a full circle yeah. kind of process, isn't it? Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like... Um, I feel like we have similar approaches, which is really nice. Um, so That's awesome. I've, I've been doing um, a bit of reflecting with some of my guests about the last time we saw each other in person. So I was just was thinking about you yep. and I, and we probably haven't seen each other since last year, 2019, I would say. And that would have been probably at MSAC, I would imagine. At MSAC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's been quite some time, yeah. Yeah, are you still training, well, when, when it was open, were you still training clients out of MSAC? Yeah, still at yeah, MSAC. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I can't can't imagine being back in there anytime in the near future. No, but, it might be close. Um, for a while, hope, oh, like things. I mean, shouldn't say. That. Hopefully, hopefully we are um, back in there very soon. But yeah, that's where I'm training majority of my clients now. Yeah. So I was I was seeing Dan. I think I was doing a bit of ambassador work. I think for MSAC, so I'd be there quite often at the on the gym floor, and I'd just see you with your clients, which. I feel like is really cool because, you know, sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect between, I mean, obviously you're really well known in the health and fitness space. You know, people know you from socials and from Keep It Cleaner. So there sometimes is a bit of a disconnect between, you know, your social media identity and then the actual grind, like the daily grind of what your job is. So it was really cool for me to see uh, and and really connect the two, I guess, because obviously I'd, I'd known who you were. Um but also seeing that you're really passionate about helping your clients, that really comes through. And then, you know, when you were on break in between clients, you'd duck out to the, to, I think it was the high performance studio or the, where the athletes train or whatever, and you'd set up your laptop and then be working on your podcast. So mm. like that was a really cool thing to see that, that, you know, it kind of all meshes together and you've got that passion. It comes through your work, you know. Um, but I actually don't know your story when it comes to, getting into the health, uh, getting into the fitness space. So can you kind of talk us through that part? Because I don't really know how you came to fitness. Yeah. Um, so all firstly, I think what you're saying before about, I, I guess, almost perception versus reality, mm. as people often state it, that is the case. I mean, it's easy to look at, um, I think you can go both ways. You can look at social media and see someone's life or what it is mm. on social media. And then in real life, it's nothing like that. Yeah, it's just it's literally it's just perception. It's just like them portraying how they want people to see them, but it's not like that at all. Whereas, like I see it with my and people often say similar stuff to what you said. Like they see the shit that I do on on social media, and then if they see me in person or like I, or if they watch my stories, I upload like a day's worth of shit, and then it's like surely that's not all from like one day. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Like. Hmm. For me, like the social media is such a great way to reach like more people and to help more people and provide value. But it's always like it's always going to be second, second to to like what my main priority is, and that's like mastering my craft of helping people improve their life through health and fitness. So it's just a, a vehicle to be able to show to to do that. So I mean, like I think the opposite that is is quite common as well, where people live for social media, but then outside of that like they're just pretending like they're not they're not really doing the work they're hoping they're expecting things to do extremely well just because of how they're perceived on social media but they're not doing anything and the, they're not doing the work in the background like so you know even with my social media it's nowhere near as as large of an audience as what I would like it to be but considering where it is now come from when it started like I started my my fitness page on Instagram in 2000, like I think it was maybe December 2013. Mm. And like without fail, I've put up content pretty much 
literally every single day. That's like with the purpose of trying to help people every single day since 2013. We're like midway through 2020 now. So like when you, when you tell people that and then, cause, cause it's easy to look at my Instagram or podcast now and go, um, like, how did, how did you grow it to that? Or I'd love to be able to be in that position there. But I'm like, well, you probably wouldn't love to be posting shit every single day since 2013. Or you probably wouldn't want to do, you know, even with the podcast, my first probably 100 episodes, I think, or something like that. Maybe first year, year and a half. I was getting like a maximum of maybe, uh, what was it? I think I got to the point where it was at around 500 downloads an episode. And like, that was for me at the time, that was good, but then it just plateaued. It just didn't, it barely grew at all. And like, I've put out an episode a week at least since I started my show. So like you go in months where the numbers are staying exactly the same. So unless you're actually passionate about what you're doing, it's easy to then give up. Like for me, I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing it. Hopefully eventually it gains some traction. And when it does, now I've got all these episodes for people to go back and check out. So there was, there was weeks, like I said, where it was just like same numbers every week. I'm like, fuck, what am I like? what am I doing this for? It's like, it's not really improved. It's not going anywhere near I want it to. But then now I'm so glad I did that because now the numbers go up. Now people can, you know, if someone hears a show for the first time today, they go back through and there's like 200 episodes to go through. So you're just an excellent example of of someone who is like practicing what they preach essentially. And also consistent action, which is what it takes to achieve any goal, essentially in any area of your life. You can't just kind of Mm. like do it once or do it twice and then expect all these results to happen. It's like consistent action over time. You just keep going and going and going, which is exactly what you've basically done, you know, with, with your socials, with pod, with your podcast and everything. Yeah. So that's, that was like the first part of that question. The second part, um, so I grew up in country Victoria uh, in Horsham and then uh, I'd always played footy and basketball and I first went into the gym, I think I was about 16 or maybe 15 years old and I went in there initially um, because uh, one of my basketball coaches said I needed to put on some size because I was just so skinny. Like when mm-hmm. I, I, I'll get to that actually. But yeah, so I was real skinny, went to the gym, hated it initially. I was like really big on cardio. Like I love, obviously love basketball and footy. And then I could just run, like run in my sleep. Like I loved it. So the gym, like I didn't really like it that much. And then I got pretty hooked on it like quite quickly once I started to see results. And then it was like an obsession. Like I was obsessed with anything to do with training, nutrition, all that type of stuff. I was constantly in the gym. And then in year 12, I decided to do my PT qualification separate to year 12, like just online over the span of 12 months, just in case. Because my intention, like I was set on playing basketball for a living. Like that was nothing else mattered. Like yeah, I applied, I applied for university for exercise and sports science. And I got in um, at Deakin in Geelong. And then I was going to defer that for a year anyway. And then um, I'd actually just made the decision to, to quit basketball and focus on footy, which at the time was like the, a massive decision. Yeah. And then within like a week, I'd got asked to move to Melbourne for basketball and flip the decision. And within a week, I was living in Melbourne for basketball to like pretty much full time, full time for two years in Melbourne. So moved to Melbourne, did basketball for two years. Didn't really work that much. I was just doing some gym shifts at MSAC, just not doing much at all, really, to be honest, just walking (laughs) around and talking to people. And then um, end of 2013, I had an, uh, an ankle reconstruction. And then, so that was pretty shattering. Like I was pretty devastated about that but it ended up being um, like the biggest blessing because that's when I started work full-time as a PT just fell in love with that and didn't miss basketball as much as what I thought I would and then yeah 
like Amazing. the rest is history, I guess. It's started from there and then it's just built from from there. It's so funny how like these things kind of happen in your life where I feel like I guess you never plan for them like like what's happening right now with COVID. Like things things just happen. There's things that happen out of your control and I guess it's what you do, how you respond to those things that kind of really make yeah. the difference. And and you can create something really awesome uh, and move in this, you know, great direction because you're doing so well in this space. So it's obviously, you know, what you're meant to do. And uh, and everyone yeah. else like us, we get we get the value from that, which is amazing. Um so one of the things that, uh, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, I know you like to talk about these a lot, um, like misconceptions around, um, I guess, building muscle and all, especially for females. Um, I, I definitely yeah. know that, you know, my area of expertise is Pilates. Um, so I definitely hear it a lot that, you know, I, I want to kind of get lean muscle or lean down, but I don't want to build, you know, I don't want to bulk. Um, that's definitely something that I hear a lot. So can you kind of go through some of the biggest misconceptions that you, you know, have heard around training and nutrition? Because I feel like, you know, there's quite a few um, that you can kind of debunk. Yeah. Um, so there's, there is plenty of misconceptions. And the, the first one is, is quite often, um, you know, I, I often hear girls in particular say um, they don't want to lift weights because they don't want to get big and bulky. I mean, that's the most common one. So... So the best way for me to answer that is that, like, if it was that easy, I'd be fucking huge. Like, <laughs> I train in the gym, like, five, six days a week, every single day since I was, like, 15, 16. So, I mean, like, to, I guess you need to look at, you need to just, the best way for me to explain to people is, like, just explaining, like, how it all actually works, like, the fundamentals of how nutrition and training work. Like, to build lean muscle mass, you ideally need to be eating in a calorie surplus, meaning that you are, eating more than you are burning. So you over time, like consistently, and you are overloading a muscle enough for it to need to grow. So you need to be giving it a reason to grow. Now, even if you're training in the right way, training in a way where you are overloading, which I would recommend everybody be doing because everybody should be trying to build lean muscle tissue. The only way that you're going to gain weight and put on a lot of size and get big and, and you know, like bulky is if you're eating too much. I mean, it's not, it's not as simple as people think. Like, you don't just pick up a weight and then all of a sudden you're massive. It just doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, it, it'd be fantastic. But, it's so good. But it just doesn't work like that. So, and then in terms of nutrition uh, and even, even with training, like coming back to training, like cardio for me is something that a lot of people, there's this big misconception about what cardio does and like the result of cardio. So, um, you know, to, to lose body fat and to have a lean physique, you need to be the opposite of a surplus. You need to be in a calorie deficit. So expending more energy than you're taking in. Now that energy expenditure can come from anything. It can come from Pilates. It can come from strength training. It can come from cardio can, and it can come from a mix of things. And that's what I would usually recommend is, you know, obviously I'm a big advocate for strength and resistance training. I think it's really important and there's so many benefits. Things like Pilates and yoga, I'm a big fan of as well. And then when you talk about cardio, like I, I personally like cardio. Like I, I run sure. more, like I do, I do more cardio when I'm not trying to lose fat than what I do when I am trying to lose fat because I just enjoy it. But when it comes to losing body fat, um, I try and teach people to think of it as a tool. Like it should, it's just a tool in your tool belt. So to increase your energy expenditure. So yeah. by me doing cardio five, six days a week, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to lose body fat. It's just not a, it's not an automatic answer to fat loss because if I'm still eating too much 
or my energy overall energy expenditure is not enough and I'm not burning more than I'm taking in, I'm not going to lose fat yeah. regardless of how much cardio I do. Whereas if I'm only, you know, I, I, the leanest I've ever been in my life, I did no cardio. Like when I, I used to do physique competing for a little bit and, you know, I did a, a 25 or 26 week prep for one of my shows mm. and I just lifted weights like five to six days a week and that was it. Yeah. I was like really, um, really strict with my nutrition, not so much about like what I was eating, but strict with the amounts I was eating. Um, I, I, I focused on trying to stay as strong as possible in the gym. I expended most of my energy from lifting weights and resistance training and high intensity uh, resistance training. And then I got as lean as I ever had been in my whole entire life with no cardio at all. Yeah. So that's a big misconception is that, you know, when you're trying to lose body fat, you just need to start doing all these crazy amounts of training, which is just not necessary. Mm. I tell people when they're trying to lose fat, start with as little amount of training as possible and as high amount of calories as possible. So then you've got room to move because if you start heap of training and no calories, you dig yourself a big hole and you're just stuck. Yeah. And it's really hard to get out of that position. It creates a really unhealthy relationship with food. You don't enjoy training and it's not sustainable. So yeah. I'm all about um, sustainability. So they're probably like the two bigger misconceptions. But, um, you know, the, the strength training side of things, particularly for females, is something that I really enjoy teaching because it's really cool to be able to help people understand what it actually does. Yeah. Like, you know, you talk to a lot of girls, they want to look lean, you know, they want nice glutes, they want to, to have the abs or whatever it is. Yeah. But if you don't have any lean muscle mass there, it doesn't matter how much fat you lose, you have no shape. You don't have any definition or tone, like mm. a defined or toned muscle. There's no such thing. Like the only, only thing you can do to a muscle is either increase its size or decrease its size. Yeah. That's all muscles can do. Yeah. So to create the illusion of definition or tone, it's just about having muscle mass there. So yeah. building the lean muscle tissue with resistance training and reducing your body fat percentage enough that you can reveal the shape. So I could have like the biggest biceps in the world. But if, if I've got a heap of body fat, they're going to look shit. Yeah. Whereas I could have like mediocre biceps and reduce and like start to build up the size of my biceps enough to the point where I've built them a bit and then reduce my body fat and they look way better. So, you know, a saying that I've, I say a little bit is that like the best way or I didn't make it up. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm not even going to try and claim it. But um, the, best way to look, the best way to look like you've gained um, I think I think the actual saying is in pounds. Say so the best way to look like you've gained ten pounds of muscle is to lose ten pounds of fat. Yeah. Because when I'm like as lean as I possibly can be, my body weight's actually quite low. My muscle mass is probably lower than what it is at the moment, but I look ten times better. Whereas it's it's important to have that muscle mass there because if you just focus on losing weight and not losing fat, or at least not retaining muscle mass, then you're just not gonna. It's gonna be a disappointing result. But yeah, there's a, there's a few of the mis misconceptions there, and then the last one I'll add in is supplements. So like using mm. using like a protein supplement, like a protein powder is no like the benefit of a protein powder is that it's convenient, and it's most yeah. likely if you're buying a good brand, it's most likely a high quality protein source. But it's not going to do anything different than what eating you know chicken or tofu or eggs or steak will do for you. It's mm. still protein. So you, can't, you don't just have a shake and then all of a sudden, again, like your, your muscles just grow or you just lose fat. They will, like supplement companies brand their products to make you think that that's what they do, but it's not. It's mm. just a convenient way to get yeah. protein in. So 
I recommend almost everybody uses a protein supplement, like a high quality protein supplement, because it's hard to get in the right amount there, enough protein just from food most of the time. So yeah. it's convenient for me to have a protein shake after I train because I don't feel like eating or I might have another client so I don't have time to sit down and eat. And if I'm not doing it, then at the end of the day, I'm nowhere near my protein goal for the day. And ideally you want to be, that's, that's one of the numbers you should be trying to reach with your nutrition anyway. So that's probably another, yeah. another misconception is that supplements do more than what, than what people think they, they really do. Yeah, because when it comes down to the fundamentals of nutrition, I think you and I both, um, we, I'm a nutrition coach too. So with my clients, the, you know, the goal is usually they come in to say, um, I want to lose, lose weight and tone up basically, which yeah. is essentially what you said is being in a calorie deficit um, and also, uh, you know, increasing your lean muscle mass. So, you know, in terms of macros, they want to understand because another thing that I think you have is is making sure that you hit your protein macro um, numbers, right? Yeah. So it's calorie deficit and and then your protein number, basically. And um, I know for me, like I'm not opposed to protein um, supplements either, just to basically get that protein in because sometimes it is hard to eat so much. You know, if if you don't want to eat that much chicken or whatever it is, just to just to get it down. Particularly with females. The, it's very common that like when I start working with someone on their nutrition, they're just nowhere near their protein intake, like not even close. Mm. And that's what yeah. most females find it hard to do initially is reach the certain amount of protein they should be having. Like everyone has a different opinion, but like I'm, I, I usually recommend two grams of protein per kilo of body weight um, as a benchmark type of thing. So for, for those that haven't really ever put any focus on how much protein they're having, it's quite a shock when they realize that like how much they actually need to be having and like yeah. the difference it actually makes in the fact that they're not hungry all the time anymore and that they're recovering a lot better between sessions and they're able to metabolize fat better. So, um, mm. yeah, that's, that's, it all I, plays I think it's important. Into it, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, eating for fat, there's, a, there's also different, um, I guess goals. Cause that's the thing that I think people get really confused about if you're not, if you don't understand what your actual goals are, all the nutrition advice can be really confusing, right? So it's contextual. You need to understand what's your goal. You know, are you wanting to drop body fat? Are you wanting to maintain? Are you wanting to perform well in the gym? Are you wanting to build lean muscle? Because obviously there's different approaches to all the different things. So I I mean, and one thing that I try to balance myself just in my own stuff is um, being able to maintain a really lean physique, but then also eating to perform in the gym because they're kind of two different things. So what's your kind of take on that? Because- I don't know if you can do both at the same time in terms of leaning down. You might go through like a mini shred or something like that, but then, you know, eat to perform. So what's your take? Well, when it comes to body composition, I think it's important. You do have to, for most people, you need to choose a goal. Like with the exception of people that are just starting, um, those that are, are significantly overweight or those that are using steroids, anabolic steroids, most people can't build a significant amount of muscle mass and lose a significant amount of body fat at the same time. Yet, unfortunately, that's what everybody's goal is. Everyone wants to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. So that's why people don't see results is because they're, they're, it's counterproductive to what they're trying to do. They're eating next to nothing. They're trying to train to build muscle or whatever, but they're just not really going anywhere because they're trying to do two things at the same time. So I'd usually recommend focus on one before the other. 
But in terms of like training performance, like one, like a couple of things that I've learned throughout like the contest preps that I did for these physique shows was that, you know, particularly the last one, I put a huge, I'm, I don't think there's, there's a, a, a huge importance in terms of body composition with nutrient timing. I think mm. protein um, distribution throughout the day is important for muscle protein synthesis. But, you know, when you have your carbohydrates or when you have your fats, I mean, it's largely irrelevant for most people. I mean, for those, most people that are worried about it, that's the least of their worries. They should be focusing on other things first. But mm. in terms of performance and muscle retention, um, I found it really beneficial the last time I did a, a, a significant um, cut where I was trying to get as lean as possible to really um, focus on carbohydrate timing around my workout. So mm-hmm. I was having huge carbohydrate break because I was training mid-morning pretty much every day. So I'd have a huge carbohydrate breakfast. I would then have fast-acting carbohydrates before I train, while I was training, and then after I trained. So the f- And my training performance, my muscle retention was significantly better than what it ever had been before because I was training still – I was still training really well. My strength stayed a lot higher in the gym compared to what I had to previously – um, and my energy levels were better in the first half of the day, is wh- which is when I needed them most. So, I think in that respect, you can you can do both at the same time. But yeah, in body composition, it's it's very tough to do two of those things at the exact same time. And I just wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if you're trying to lose body fat, you can definitely still gain a little bit of muscle mass, but it's it's very small compared to what you're expecting it to be. Um, and then you know, likewise, if you built the muscle mass and you want to lose body fat a lot of people lose a shitload of muscle mass when they're losing body fat because they're just not eating anywhere near, near enough. They go from lifting heavy weight to all of a sudden doing thousands of reps with light weights. So if, if you're not using it, you will lose it. So if you're trying to lose body fat, focus on training performance and you will retain muscle mass while you lose the body fat. Um, but it's very, very hard to be building significant amounts of muscle while you're losing body fat. Unless, like I said, you're yeah. brand new to training yeah, significantly overweight or you're using um, anabolics. Yeah, so it's it's really important to know what your goals are um, for those of you who are listening because I do feel like it's so contextual and so and that's what makes it confusing. If you don't understand what your goals are and uh, are not clear about what your goals are, then that's when it can get really, really like, oh, I don't understand this person's telling me this and this is, so that's what it is. It's, it's finding the context and understanding what your goals are. Um, so, you know, I feel like fitness is a really great space to learn about growth, to learn about failing. Cause obviously, you know, with progressive overload and stuff like that, you have, like you were saying, you have to um, give your muscle a reason to want to grow. You have to put it into a state of, I guess, being uncomfortable, which is, you know, you can take that into any area of life, essentially. Like there's not going to be any growth without you going through a period of being uncomfortable. Um, and along the way, like, you know, you can fail, you can fuck up, you can yep. have fears around that, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of like to, you know, bring it into a broader perspective of, um, talking about failures and things because, you know, even in, in your business, in life, I'm sure that you've gone through many failures and rejections and whatnot and things that you've, I think you've spoken about this too on your podcast. So, um, you know, what's what's been your biggest failure in life? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I found, I typically find that like a lot of my resilience now and a lot of like my work ethic now and a lot of my not giving a fuck about failing and not caring about 
whether people say no or not caring about rejection or whether things don't work out and stuff like that, which is what holds a lot of people back. Like I really don't mm-hmm. suffer that much from that now because I suffered so much of it earlier. Like particularly when I, like not even so much in business, like I've been, I'm not going to say lucky because I've worked really hard, but been quite lucky in business to not go through like heaps and heaps of failures like touch wood. But in saying that, there's small failures every single day. Like I, even with my online coaching and stuff, I did everything myself for like, and I still do. Like in terms of communication, like email, social media, even like editing and uploading podcasts, YouTube, all that shit. I do all that stuff myself, which I always will do because I, like I, I think like I enjoy it. And also with the coaching side of things, like people are uh, paying to do coaching with me, not for someone else to be just sending out shit or to be automated yeah. or to get the same program you know, you get the same program I've just sent to someone else. So I do all that myself, but um, there's certain things that I early days would try and do myself and just waste so much time. So things like websites and stuff like that. Like I would try and do a lot of that stuff myself. It's stuff off, I waste a heap of time on it, waste a heap of money instead of just spending a bit at the start and letting someone else do it. So you learn a heap of shit like that. But, but in terms of like failures, like particularly with sport, like missing out on teams constantly, um, you know, injuries. I've had so many injuries, setbacks with training and stuff like that, which, which has been really disappointing. But yeah, particularly with sport, like missing out on a lot of teams, never being like, you know, the typical cliche shit, like never being the, the, the first picked or um, losing a lot of gag, just all that type of stuff early on. Like I got smashed with that type of shit. And it never, it never for whatever reason, I don't know why, it never fazed me. Like no matter how many times I failed, no matter how many times I got cut, no matter how many times I missed out on stuff, I would turn up day after day with the idea of thinking that one day I would still make it and one day things would go the opposite way. And then, um, and, and that just, it's became a habit. And then, so once I stopped playing basketball, I've just used that same mentality, that same work ethic, that same mindset with everything I've done, whether it be business, whether it be my own health and fitness, literally everything, everything I've done is, is around that. It's just like knowing that if something needs to be done, like I need to put in the work to do it. If it doesn't work this time, it will eventually, if it doesn't happen, it wasn't meant to be. Um, it is what it is, but the only thing that I can control is how much, you know, my work ethic, the work I put in and, and the effort that I put in. And then the rest is, it is what it is. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I mean, that in itself, just having that, um, mentality and approach to, to life is essentially just that you can control what you can control and then if it doesn't kind of work out for whatever reason, something out of your control happens, that's the thing that you can do is, is respond. You can respond in the way that you know best to. So that, it, I mean, it's a, such a great, I feel like fitness and sport is such a great way of learning these kind of lessons, you know. Um, are there any other kind of things that you've learned from from fitness or from movement yourself that you feel like you've been able to take into other areas of your life? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like for the biggest one is just focusing on what you can can control. That's a big one. Um, but also that you do need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because if you're not giving your body a reason to change, it won't. If you're not doing things that you haven't done before or, or doing the uncomfortable things and the things that are hard, then things won't get much better. Things won't change that much. If you stay in your comfort, like the best, the best shit happens outside of your comfort zone without fail. Mm. And then like that, and then the other thing, like not so much, even from sport and from, from business, like the, one of the other things I've learned is that if you don't ask, you'll never know. Like you just have to ask. You have to be willing to fail or get rejected 10 times out of 10. 
Um, otherwise, you'll never know. Like there's so many, there's so many things that have happened with my work and and sporting and everything that um, if I had have been worried about that, then I would not be in like the position that I'm in now. And there would have been a lot of things that just hadn't have happened if I hadn't have just asked mm-hmm. or just put myself out there. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you know it's one of those things that um, people have to cultivate it's like a, a courage to be able to put yourself out there be able to uh, you know I guess be vulnerable in a sense of you may get a no but I mean what's the worst that can happen really you I, get a no like I've said this on a number of podcasts and I've said on my, mine a heap of times like the best way I can explain this to people is that if you're not doing something because of the fear of failure fear of someone saying no or fear of rejection the best way to think of it is that you are already in that position mm. Like if you wanted to do this podcast with me today and you didn't ask because you're worried, I would say no, which I wouldn't. But like if you if you were worried about that, yeah. then it's already reality because we still haven't done the That's fucking true. podcast. So, yeah. Whereas <laughs> if you ask, which you did, now we're doing the podcast. So like that's a basic example, but it, it's it's so true. Like if you if you don't ask or if you're worried, so if you're fearing failure, then you have already failed because you're in the exact same position as you will be, even if it does fail. So yeah. Best case scenario, it happens. Worst case scenario, same shit you're already in. Yeah, that's a great story, actually. I really like that example. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks so much for chatting with me, Dan, because I feel like um, it's been so great to touch on all these awesome topics. And I think you're just one of those awesome examples of someone who practices what they preach and, and a real like kind of true leader in this health and fitness space. Um, so thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. It's been no fun. No worries. Um, and so you can find Dan on IG at DJK Fitness, also at his website, dannykennedyfitness.com. And he's also got his own podcast, the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. And you can find that wherever you get your podcast, guys. So make sure you screenshot this episode and share it to your IG stories, tag Dan, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Rach Active Podcast, guys. <laughs>